G'day, thanks so much for getting our preview edition Cox Plate, the Quaddy Legs. And first, we're going to get stuck into the Manicato Stakes. Before we look forward, as we'd like to do with Vince Accardi, let's have a listen back to some of the great moments of the Group 1 Manicato. Sometimes I lead, sometimes I follow. This time I go where she wants me to go. Strides to all bar one who's struggling on the turn. Magnus further out of this Andretti coming with a run from California Dane. Dance Hero first for home, but Miss Andretti sweeps it on, on the outside. Miss Andretti took the lead from Dance Hero. Magnus and then Sasby from Shadowways, but Miss Andretti in front of Dance Hero fighting back, but Miss Andretti too good. Walk on, walk on. Schofield hasn't let go on the favourite. It's Haylist off the rails, leading by two lengths. He's broken reward for effort. True persuasion is still staying on on the inside. And further back is Eagle Falls, but it is Haylist. Look at him open up now. This outstanding sprinter. Haylist comes right away, wins by three. True persuasion. Somebody said she's gone to her sister. Everybody knew what they were talking about And up towards the bend, Seapoy by three quarters buffering Cool Grinder's coming on, Sister Manley waits behind them Then Atomic Force, Poor Joyce working clear Seapoy the leader, Cool Grinder's throwing out a challenge on the outside Sister Manley buffering, more Joyce and Atomic Force But Seapoy burst away from them, how good is he? He's raced three lengths clear and he'll bolt it in What a great three year old, Seapoy And Lankan Rupee's going for home. Buffering's trying to go with him. Lankan Rupee about a length in front of them. Temple of Boom not listening to me. Down the outside, Terra Vista. Lankan Rupee in front. Buffering trying to get him. Lankan Rupee three quarters clear. Down the outside, Terra Vista flying home. They swarm to the line about five or six across. Lankan Rupee, I reckon he might have held on. They're everywhere across the course here. doing it tough but he loves it that way he leads from rich enough alpha miss here's tiger tease and shriek candy around the outside now chautauqua's got into the clear buffering the leader shriek candy after him chautauqua coming on strongly shriek candy hit the front chautauqua mows it down Pitch, races away and won like a champion what a great two links Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. And Vince Accardi, don't know if there's any Chautauquas tonight, but uh, if we can find the winner, we don't really care. Exactly. That makes <laughs> a lot of sense to me. <laughs> so we are recording this at five past six Friday morning. We can only give you the information we've got in front of us. Uh, I know you would have had a bit of a look at the weather eye. What's your expectations by the time we get to race seven here the, uh, tonight? Well, who knows, Ralph? Yeah. Who knows? But the good thing is, Mooney Valley's pretty good in holding a good level of rain. No doubt the track's in good condition right now. So it'd be probably really disappointed if it, if the rain did tumble down and it just got, you know, significantly bad. But I feel even if the rain comes down, we're still going to be able to play on a track that's going to work for most people. 
as we speak, there's no scratchings here, so we'll take the uh, we'll take the uh, emergencies out of our thinking and save it to Excel. General Bow in the boat and sweet ride. The um, the map. How are you expecting the pressure to be here? Yes, from a pressure point of view, it, it's hard not to get any view other than solid. And what I mean by solid is you still got this situation where you come to that turn and it does create like a little bit of an artificial slowdown. So you've got to factor a little bit of that into into play. But ultimately, I, I can't see him running anything below like two or three lengths under benchmark. And, and I wouldn't even be surprised if they go plus four or five, Ralphie. It may be even plus six, depending on how much rain falls. But even if the rain comes down, they're still going to roll and they're going to roll reasonably aggressively. The the starting point I'll ask you from Cool and Gatter, and I'm asking you that through the fact that it's a, it's a logical leader there, drawn drawn low from the inside barrier there. Has she got closing speed that can really make this make them hard to catch over twelve hundred? Well, the first the, the key to that answer is, is this, Rolfie. Of course, like all of the riders, if they could be in a situation where they could take a sit, then that would be great. But when we look at the natural speed of the horses, and let's take Cool and Gatto as the prime example, first and foremost, the natural running speed of the horse is faster than any other horse in the race in terms of that first section. So therefore, it's going to want to roll forward. Then there's going to be pressure around it, which will give it the tendency to go that little bit faster. Now, if you try and take a sit, then you're probably going to create some challenges for the horse and there's this possibility that even just on the natural speed and just that pressure around from most likely in the boat and Rothfire and astrologist it just means that you're going to have to overreach a little bit in the tank through that first critical 400 metres there'll be a chance for a breather once you get past that point and perhaps there might be a possibility depending on the severity of the breathe if it's not and somehow they just keep trying to increase pace, then there is going to be a huge level of vulnerability potentially in the runner. But we've also got to factor in this is a lightly raced horse and is continually strengthening, and they can evolve a lot from one run to the other, Ralphie. This isn't going to be a race where you're going to be able to relax, breathe, keep your rhythm in the right structure that you would like to be maximum efficiency for 1200 meters so if there's going to be any weakness right now it could come now but maybe a different story in the future and it should be underlined that in a win in the in the moya um jamie card just rated that absolutely perfectly those first two sections absolutely uh, it was perfection probably not going to get i don't feel the same golden situation here because they would have to have that in the back of their mind it's, it's a little bit different, 1,000 metres, let's just go hard all the way, and that's the way you should ride a horse, particularly over short course. But we're up to 1,200 metres. There might be that little bit of question mark about where they're at with it. They shouldn't be die-wandering. They should be asking the horse to be the horse. Stable mate, and that leads us to the stable mate. The runner, it was runner up on the night, Bella Nipatina. I thought the run was remarkable, and, and particularly, you know, when you take into account, it was clearly fence on 
<laughs> on pace night and uh and Bella Nipatito just uh Williams got going three wide just kept going kept and it just wouldn't lie down best last 800 and 600 of the night uh you were very uh impressed by its uh, first up win which was 1.9 lengths above benchmark it was at a, at a day meeting there so really it's trending the right way 1200 it's proven on soft ground it's proven if the rain hits probably said it in some of our podcasts Ralph it, this horse has come back airborne there's, there's no question about that. I, I, I really feel this horse is going to go to new heights. I, I have the firm belief that tonight this horse is going to test its previous PB of 3.1. And there's just nothing to indicate anything different. I look at where it's drawn. Okay, is, this the, is there the possibility that you might get stuck on the fence? That's possible that could happen. And this all gets back down to if there's a, a spread or not in the race, I feel that break will come comfortably for the horse because this is a race that usually has that pressure. And this runner will be one of probably three or four horses that genuinely gets what I consider to be the golden run and will have the opportunity to most likely to have that excellent energy um, distribution through the last two sections of the race and that usually equals a PB performance. And this is what I'm expecting this horse to do. And it's not going to be an easy horse to beat. It's going to be very, very difficult to beat this horse. Only bad luck's going to stop it from, you know, probably finishing one, two. Well, that, that 3.1 PB was in this race last year. And it was almost a similar circumstance because uh, uh, this time last year we were expecting a big dump of rain. It actually didn't hit the course until just after the last race. So, of course, uh, you know, whenever you're listening to this, you'll, you'll know pre-race if the rain's hit or not. But as we speak, the rain is, you know, it's a, it's a, Still morning, they're expecting rain. But uh, the good thing is if a rain does hit, what you're saying is you've got no problem whatever the ground is with this horse. No, I don't have any problems. I mean, there are a couple of other horses that potentially have a – that are, you know, genuinely competitive in this race that have a higher profile yep. on wet ground, and that could bring those horses potentially in a race. But Bellinipatina is probably going to buy a couple of lengths just by default in terms of the way the race shape's going to be run. And the only way I can see – not working for, say, the horse is if Craig Williams unfortunately gets caught on the fence uh, and, and, you know, there's some savage slowdown in mid-race. That would be the only way that he would have a li little bit more of a challenge. The favourite Paul Ely comes in a barrier four, assuming there's no scratchings. And as I said, we can only say what we're saying at the, with the information in front of us. Um, it, w it was a super win first up, Vince, and a couple of things. One was um, trainer's intent, which we always like putting on, on the table here. It's a stallion. It was such a good run that they could have sent it to the Everest and taken that slot, but given the uh, the breeding side of the, the profile, they obviously said, no, nah, there's a group one to be won here, uh, Manicato. So tonight's grand final night for the horse. Uh, it needs that group one win on its CV. It's had uh, a couple of narrow defeats in, in uh, Eagle Farm during during the year. It's a high-quality 1,200 horse win, right? How, how are you assessing Paul Ely tonight? Well, I'd say this is the horse to beat yep. from – my perspective, firstly, it comes into the race about half length superior to Bella Nipotina, and we've just sort of touched on that Bella Nipotina is airborne, and Paul Ailey is exactly trending in the same way. First up run, 0.2 below benchmark, just marginally behind 
what it did the previous campaign, but the lift second up was real big indicator. And when I say marginally behind, 1,000 metres was way too short for that horse and therefore impossible to even put down remotely a fair figure. The 1,100 was going to give us a lot more insight, even though I felt that this horse's best is definitely going to come at 1,200. And the 2.7 was the franking point for me to give me plenty of confidence that I feel this horse is almost within maybe 0.1 or 2 of what its profile was when it peaked at point, uh, four lengths above in October of 21, and that was at Randwick over 1,200 metres. That's the expectation. So this is a runner that's probably less likely to uh, have challenges like being caught on the fence. I don't see any of that happening. I see this horse getting in the golden run line as well. And in terms of wet ground conditions, just assuming that we might end up on some slow surface, I still feel that Paul Laley also has superiority over Bella Nipotina and has the wood on it there. If we get to heavy, it might be a different discussion. I wouldn't be – I'd be – put it this way, I would uh, put money off the table if the track's heavy, right, like full stop in the race. But if we just sort of – stick around and we just stay not anything worse than slow then i have a high level of confidence that this horse will win and will win comfortably nice and simple i'll finish off with rothfire before we you know if, if anything we really want to touch on um what a powerful tool this is vince you, you put it on the table about 13 months ago about with zaki um short break big explosion first up that's sometimes all they've got uh it's looking like this with Rothfire, but I suppose tonight's the night we find out for sure. Eighty-four day break from third in a really in a real race. That uh, that straight break won by Alligator Blood and uh, and Private Eye have both since come back enormous. Um, one at Mooney Valley first up, that was big, and then the, the the robots really smashed it last up. But it just looked like when the foot went to the floor, Damien Lane just didn't have that. It's a, it's a horse who's obviously had issues. Rob Heathcote says he walks around with a bone chip in his pocket, which is what was taken out of the poor fella after that golden uh, golden uh, rose run when he was uh, when he was favourite. How are you assessing its chances tonight? Well, of course, pre pre injury, you'd probably want to back this horse until the. I don't know. He just wouldn't want to stop backing because I mean, it had a profile that was like five point four and still trending upwards. That's a twelve hundred meters, so you can just imagine where this horse could have uh, ended up. Could have quite easily have been a, a winning, you know, runner in a, in an Everest if it was trending to that. But obviously, that hasn't been the case. And you're right, Ralphie. This time in that first up run was really solid. One point nine gave us the perfect insight about how fit the horse was and even in when you look at the closing velocity speed there was absolute clarity this horse was extremely forward the second up run though whilst it was 1.7 behind still ranked fifth in the day Ralphie which was I, I felt that was a plus and there could be this possibility that staying at a thousand wouldn't have worked for the horse and therefore up to the 1200 I feel that it's not a bad move for the stable because they've obviously targeted this race as being their go. And the challenge for me is this. If Cool and Gadda and In the Boat... We'll probably go take In the Boat out, I assume. Okay, let's say assume that's not running. And let's say, okay, maybe Astrologist is the next one. If the horse was able to just roll forward and just have control speed... Yep and just allow it to flow with natural momentum, then this horse would be extremely competitive 
and would look like the winner inside the 100 and, and mightn't be that easy to run down, as you know, the valley, the way it plays, right? You get that extra little bit of an advantage on speed. But this is not the race. <laughs> this is a race where there's going to be intensity. Yep. You're not going to be able to dictate your turns. Well, you can, but you're going to have to really light a big fire, and that's not smart. If they then turn out and they really light a big fire, unless it's like a super one-lane highway and that bias is like un, you know phenomenal, which it's rare, but it has happened at Mooney Valley once or twice in 10 years, then they've hit the jackpot. Yeah. That's, that's the sort of luck they're going to need. So I don't know what the challenges are going to be exactly for Damien. Now, for Damien Lane, as a rider, when you really study his profile and his characteristics, we know he's one of the best in the world. Yep. He's, he's an elite rider, and he's the type of rider from a, a form student or professional punting point of view. You can have very li- little hesitation in wanting to support him when he's on a runner in a race like this. He, I feel that he would probably want to look for that sit if it's there for him. Yep. And if he gets that, then it's just all gets back down, can you breathe? And hopefully you've got some sort of a finish and you can fight out the finish to some extent. And you're hoping for horses like Bella Nipotina and Paul Lady have bad luck, right? That's your only way of winning, realistically. Or you've got that highway bias. So it sounds like, and we've got a Cox Plate to talk about, it sounds like from a business perspective, it's Paul Lely, it's uh, then, it's then, then Bella Nipotina, and then it's a dartboard. You couldn't have summed it up any better. <laughs> okay. Nice and simple. Good. Could be a big uh, could be a big weekend for the Blue Jackets. They've no doubt targeted this, and uh, that brings us to the to the Cox Plate here. Uh, always such an exciting race, Vince. It uh, tomorrow can can Animo just put that cherry on top of it on his fantastic career. First off, when it comes to pace, how are you expecting this race to be run? Yeah, I had a did a fair bit of work on the whole pace scenario, and of course, like everything in life, there's still an element of trepidation in terms of whether they will or won't go to that level and and will alligator blood run that's probably the other big key yes is that's going to make a massive difference to the race shape and a, and a critical one at that now my this is just my thinking at this point in time and it's purely my thoughts at, at the moment i'm taking the position the alligator blood's running yep. now obviously if it's not tomorrow morning we'll have a different discussion about speed yes i can't see the race if Alligator Blood's going to be, we're going to be up around plus five, six range for sure. Well, that's heat. Yeah, that's heat, right? Yep. There's no no ifs. Because what are they going to do? We're going to just try and sit up and we're going to be gentle as we can be so you can just get beaten <laughs> 10 lengths. Do you, do you really feel that's the way the stable would like to tackle it? I doubt it very much. <laughs> well, we've got about 60 years of data with Waterhouse and Smith. Yeah. So. <laughs> they're, they're, they, the one beautiful thing about that stable and the power of why they've been, you know, so you know, sensational in their performances over decades is they have their horses absolutely rock solid. They're not afraid to put hard work into them. Therefore, if they turn up at the track, they have a high expectation. This isn't a place where you can rest and enjoy yourself and look around. This is a race where you need to go out and get victory. And we're going to do it one way. We're going to do it hard and we're going to make it hard for everybody else. So it's game on. And that's, that's, that's a great, I love that, right? Yep. It doesn't necessarily always work out for um, for the horse or the people that might back it, but in many cases it has. So alligator blood, we've really only got one choice, put pressure on and go hard. That probably going to help a few other horses if that happens. 
but that's what I see happening. And if for whatever reason, again, you know, ground condition, all these things that could come into play, I still can't see him running slower than about plus three, Ralphie. So this is where we're at. Now, if it doesn't run, we can talk about it tomorrow and I have a whole different scenario about what I feel might happen pace-wise. So Zaki's from Barrier One. Jamie Carr, let's alligator blood cross and sits right right on its ginger. Uh, you're also saying on your early edition race speed profiles that Profondo then comes across and there's the natural speed, yeah? Yeah, well, see, it's interesting with Profondo. I had a good look at its natural speed. To really get good comfort, I felt I found over the years one of the key measuring tools to really get that first 400 metres and in these scenarios, because they've had many starts, you can really get a good assessment. And I was probably a little bit surprised at how much good natural speed this particular horse has, particularly when it gets up around this distance range. It's like, it's really solid. So I just couldn't help but feel that this is just going to be a a genuine go-forward rolling horse. And just on natural speed, it's actually a little bit faster than Zaki as well. So this is just going to be just that added pressure. Not as fast as alligator blood though, right? Yep. So it's going to get the golden run, Zaki. Uh, As should Animo. Jamie will be wrapped. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Look, as should Animo, and, you know, I suppose this has been such an exciting horse to to track his progress through uh, through the Blue Diamond and then the size produce. We've been talking about him on these podcasts uh, for for his whole career. And it's grand final day tomorrow. But one thing we, we have seen is that after it got beaten, when was it? It was in the Randwick Guineas. They just got sick of getting too far back on the horse. No speed, no talent. Well, he's got talent and he's been put in the race. So under that circumstance, he's almost box seeding, isn't he? Uh, well, I'm not, as I'm not in, sure. Sorry, as in, you know, within three to five, five legs of the lead. Maybe. Right. Maybe, maybe not, right. I, I'm not sure about that because there's uh, – the reason why I say this is there's a couple of other horses that have got good natural speed. See, it all comes back down to the speed you're travelling at. Yes. When the horse has been forward – they're going pretty slow, Ralphie, right? They, you know, if you're going 15, 20 lengths below benchmark, well, it's pretty natural. You're going to be in a forward position. Why not? That's smart. That's where you should be, right? Yep. But this isn't going to be the case here. This is definitely not going to be the case. There'll be none of this 15, 20 lengths below benchmark. So, so let's say you went to last year's Cox Plate. That's probably a little bit more of an insight about what could happen. There are a couple of other horses that has have slightly better natural speed through that first 400. So this horse could easily find itself three pairs back. That's what I see. But it didn't matter how. See, there was a, I felt that the run lines three and four pairs off the lead pack are the golden spots. And then if you're on the fence, you're golden minus one. And if you're four pairs back, you're sort of minus one. But if you're one off the fence, you can almost be in an equal scenario if Animo was on the fence one one pair closer forward. So the golden position for Animo will be one off the fence if it can get in that situation, and it quite easily could. A lot's got to do with what Johnny Allen does. But if that happens, it's like this, Ralphie, even if it doesn't happen. <laughs> I can turn around here and we can play all day and we can I, 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 we can break down every horse. And we've got to have a little bit of that, right? Because yeah. this is also an educational process and it's unfair for me to just come out and say, well, we're just wasting our time, right? Yep. Because 
that's the technicals. The technicals are we're just wasting time. I can give you all the hyperboles and gonna and, I'm, and we're going to go over some of them. But this horse is just simply way too good for this field. Like it is way too good. They're, they're not in the same class. So, I mean, I, I a horse like I'm Thunderstruck, an example. There are a case for me to say if this was a mile race, class to class, they're very close together. Like that, I wouldn't be sitting here and say to you that. Uh, Animo's got 10 lengths on you. No, no, no. I would say, you know what? This could be a real contest between two horses at a mile. But this is 2000. And all the other horses are just not in the same class. They're just not. Even the international runner, who's a lightly raced horse, I spent a good few hours on that horse yesterday. It's It's got great cop capability, plenty of potential, but it ain't no state of rest. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote not. this on my stuff. I think I think I, I could get out of my uh, sorry Adelaide. I could get state of rest before I even spoke to you. And then when you when I spoke to you, well, your head rolled off on both those horses. I was trying to think where is this substance with El Bogdan Bondigon <laughs> to say that this is in their class. Well, it, the plus side they have here is it's a lightly raced horse. Yep, it has the capacity where it's franked it now twice, that 4.5. So I know it has, you know, a great level of capability. But now, if I take Animo out of the race, oh, yeah, uh, could could they be rubbing their hands for victory? For sure, right? For yep. sure. But you put Animo in the race, just on last year's – well, hold on. You know, how about if I just come back? If we just go on just the last start, even with the what you'd see when the horse – was having issues being on the Sydney leg, turning for home and probably cost itself over a length, right? At a critical stage of, you know, high exertion momentum in the host race. It's, that's the death part of the race, right? That is the most important part. You don't want to be losing your velocity there, right? And this horse didn't still pick them up. I can assure if it was on its right leg, it would have won by four or five lengths. This horse would have started at $1.20 and you'd be saying, Vince, there's nothing else to talk about. And I'd say, I'm, I'm sad because, you know, I'm just going to put one tiny little line right, in the communication, you know, back it if you're happy to back a short-priced horse because there'd be nothing to talk about. Now, that didn't happen. They're allowing some prices. I hope they keep pumping the tyres on every other horse that exists in the race because then we'll get a golden price, maybe three bucks. Could that happen? I'll be loving it if it did. So a footy journo who, uh, who tunes in and enjoys his racing uh, messaged me last night, and I like this because it, it sort of challenges your thinking a bit. He said, so why... Why is it 240 for a horse with that type of superiority? Now, I would say there's a lot of people who would look at margins last start and say, well, point to, you know, it's just beaten I'm Thunderstruck and Zaki was close up. That was a slow tempo race. So what, what's the significance there? Because now he's had three runs, they're all slow tempo, but he's got that platform. Fourth up last year was the Cox Plate, fourth up in the autumn. He won the Rose Hill Guineas by seven lengths. There's an expectation that under pressure, under in a, in a fast run race, that that would elongate the margins. Yeah, well, I mean, we had some discussions with one of the boys yesterday who, you know, that works in the team, that if we're looking at all the possible negatives, there's only three negatives we could put on the table that we could consider with any realistic, you know, there's things that are real, right? Yeah. One is, okay, what happened when it pulled up three three out of five lane? Yep. Is it really was it really just the knock as they've communicated? There's nothing to doubt that, right? That's that's the reality. There's nothing to doubt that. Or 
there could have been the argument with that last start victory. Oh, did it feel it? But the horse was clearly on the wrong leg. Yeah. And the last thing is, now the one you're putting up is about like it's come out of three slowly run races. Well, that's something the horse hasn't um, had to deal with. So we, we looked at it and said, okay, well, let's see if we've got a fast run race. Where will the horse sit? What speed will it travel at? Well, if it just runs at its natural stage, which is absolutely the expectation, I just don't see, well, look, James doesn't really make too many errors these days, right? He's, he's so – he's just evolved, right? If it was three years ago, four years ago, so, you know, he could get excited and he might just stuff it and just say, no, nah, I'm going to be real forward. I don't care about the pressure. This is the grand final, right? And then he could go, could get caught out of this these three run race shapes. He could because realistically – He's going to have to run probably at least benchmark through that first section. And that's a big lift in speed, even from one run to the other. It's like 10 lengths. There could be a level of uh, softening there. Then it comes down to the stable. Really? This stable's (laughs) not going to have this horse 100%. I have been watching the Cummings team this campaign. This campaign, I believe their tactics or their strategy is more to the point. They have had all their horses very, very forward. And this has been a clear indicator. Now, it may not work for them at the end of the campaign, you know, for the carnival. I don't know. I don't know what other horses they've got coming through. But this has been their go-to strategy. I love that. I absolutely love that. So I have an expectation that this horse isn't going to be a run short. And, yeah, that's, that's a weakness that could come out. And if... James just gets excited. No, they're getting too far. I have to burn more fuel. And then the horse goes plus three or four through the first section. And mind you, this horse can easily do that. The horse has gone plus eight, Ralphie, first section. Yeah. So the the aerobic capacity of this horse is phenomenal, right? So they could do what it – they could go to the front if they wanted to, right? That's how much aerobic capacity. But they're not that stupid, right? <laughs> They're there to win. They're not yep. there to just, uh, you know, blow the horse up, right? But that's how capable this horse is in terms of versatility and capability. Maybe that could be a an Achilles heel, potentially, because it's not the perfect 10 out of 10 uh, setup. It's not, right? It's not the perfect 10 out of 10, but class goes a long way. This isn't going to be a Cox plate where we're going to go plus eight to 10 through the first section. And then it's, they're going to be trying to hold that breath in the mid. It's this, this, this is, this this is a set of B great horses, mate. And, and this is what, what what do they call it? Tip of the nose that sometimes you just look at something and say, this is what I think, but what I wanted to do and what you've outlined for our listeners is this is your thinking to say, you've looked at this from every possible angle and saying, well, on logic, this just horse just should win. Not win, shit in. We like it. Just for Maldives to finish off with, one horse that we've been tracking and we've said almost the whole prep, he's been a run behind, run behind, gold trip, peaked on his run of the Caulfield Cup. Um, is he a, a, a horse that um, deserves respect for Maltese? I'm talking Maltese only. Oh, okay. Well, you can talk Maltese and you can talk for a win because we've uh, outlined the possibility if, if these two little scenarios or possibly three scenarios don't you know, undo Adamo, then yep. these other horses. This is then a super competitive race, right? This is then a very – a gold trip could easily win then. So, therefore, Blinkers first time. Yep. 
we know this horse has got a plus four or better up its sleeve, right? So yep. I, I have no illusions you know, against the rest of the field. It is hard in the race in every possible way. I even thought about, okay, interesting, we're coming back from 2.4 to 2,000 metres. But I look at the elevation from minus 2.2 to plus 1.2. That's a 3.6 length increase in terms of overall performance from one run to the other. Yes, there was a slowing in terms of first sectional speed from two starts back to this run. But the squeezes were both powerful, right? Okay, granted, the, the Flemington run, the squeeze was bigger in the mid-race, right? But the finish that day was massive. And there is this, Ralphie, I thought to myself, just maybe you could have felt that run a little bit, right? Yep. And then your Caulfield run all of a sudden, you know, beaten right near the end, right, might have been an even better run. Blinkers on this stable, extremely dangerous. <laughs> so I go straight to my, I said to myself straight away, when I see this move, and, and you know, we do some, you know, various trackings uh, from our AI internal mechanisms that we've got set up, like through the Rappo platform, and the indicator comes up that, you know, allow three. Allow three, three lengths. So I, I did exactly that. I said, okay, I'm expecting a fours. No uh, ifs and buts. I actually, I do want to back over one only for your, for your thinking, particularly for those who haven't been tracking your thoughts on this horse um, over the last year and a half, and because and, he's a hard second favourite, and I'm talking about Zaki. Uh, once you take away that Doombin Cup explosion, he's a plus four horse every day of the week, isn't he? That's what he is. He's a rock. He's a rock solid plus four four point five horse. Yep, without a shadow of doubt. The one for Annabelle Nation. If anybody in the race has had the absolute perfection in terms of the timing and bringing a horse to its absolute peak, like assuming this is the case, because I'm looking at all the numbers, it's been in slow run races, fast run races, it's had to use big exertions, it's shown a good finish. I can't fault it, right? I cannot fault the horse. Second part is... Horses that get golden runs are always dangerous. Yes. So this is the number one horse in the field. Again, we're taking the first level of assumption that Alligator Blood's running, right? Yep. 100% golden race shape. And still possible if it doesn't run. It depends, you know, what Profondo does or doesn't do with that rider. It still looks like it might be a golden run, but right now it's got the A1 run. Okay. It's got it's got a it's got a super rider who will ride to the horse's shape and expect this horse to run four, four and a half. Which puts it in, in the top four and then yep. it depends on anime turning up. <laughs> nice and simple. I don't even need to surmise it because you've surmised it through it. All right, we'll pick up the uh, uh, pace above benchmark for the uh, for the other three legs of the quaddy. Uh, Berkeley Square, the market's pretty much uh, saying it, it's it or a bit of any, anything when it comes to that first leg of the quaddy, the Vars. It's a traditional lead into the derby. We don't care about that. We care about is there a betting opportunity in this race? Well, price-wise, like if you're wanting to engage, it's like from the way I like to do things, it's certainly not a price that you wouldn't want to take, right, if you felt confident and comfortable that this is a horse that you want to be with, right? Yep. So, And there's absolutely nothing in the data from the way I look at things, 
to suggest that this source is going to do nothing but trend upwards, right? Yep. In terms of its profile. So it's a hard horse to to be against in any way. That, that's my view. The ground conditions, all right, well, it's probably a little bit early right now, Ralph, and we might be able to take a bit more of a, a stance on that come tomorrow if we have, you know, better understanding. But, you know, like I'm just sitting back here at the moment saying that, I feel that this horse has a level of even being able to handle the wet ground. It's got a 3.9 WTI, which is what I would have considered to be rock solid, you know, S5 borderline S6 track, right? Yep. So I feel comfortable about that. And it's only had the one real go. That, that When it won the, at its subsequent start, there was no speed. So it was, it was impossible to even get a WTI. And that was like, that was track for me was a lot closer in some parts, uh, worse than an S5 or 6. So I, I can't find any knocks. And, and if this horse is doing what I expected to do, just trend upwards, well, it's, it's a hard horse to beat. But is it for me right now? I don't know. You know, I, I, I look at my betting plate, and I only like—I don't like to have. You know, I'm not one that likes to bet in every race, and I do look try and find the best three, four, or five opportunities. I'm not sure if this is one of them yet. Well, particularly if I say that it's the same odds as Animo. Ah, it doesn't have that advantage. No. <laughs> so, um, all right, I, I couldn't really find anything in the data of uh, Virtual Signal nor Pericles that are the second, third favourite. So, and uh, I noticed in your most advantage and your early thoughts here, you got a couple others that are, that are at odds, and we'll just touch on them very quickly. Jenny Jerome and Berardino. We actually put Berardino in the Sizzlers. It looks a Derby type horse, which of course means that if it's trending the right way off that very fast Flemington race, it's in the race too, and it's fourteen dollars. What a fantastic run that was, Ralphie. Mm. Really. You have a look at it. Run to run. It come from a 9.6 length below benchmark at Corford over 14. Stepped up to 1,800 and has gone almost eight lengths faster. Like going 1.8 below. That's excellent standard of speed. Not entitled to really then go 4.2 above between the eight and the four and then have the audacity to still break benchmark last 200 metres. I love that. I this is a this is a horse shouldn't be underestimated, and then they they, they put they put the you know go to man for me. You know you got Nash. You know he's 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 the best in the world when it comes to managing energy. And I reckon Rich Hips and others they've they've the stable of love using. Well, who who wouldn't? But they've had some success there. And Jenny Jerome, it almost smacks me that this is Paddy Payne's Oaks horse. Well, Paddy Payne, um, oh, maybe I'm just saying this. Let's just say he's still, to me, a little bit of a hidden super talent, right? Yep. The power in this guy's capability as a horseman's phenomenal, and we knew how good he was as a rider. But I, I feel that he's uh, the things that he do does and the way he targets horses in races, he's emulating every bit as his capabilities as he was when he was a rider. And this particular horse, last start, for instance, right? I mean. What hope have you got? You're going to sit almost 17 lengths below benchmark through the first section. The move in the mid-race, you're still travelling 10 lengths below benchmark. It's hard, Ralphie, to get any real guide out of that run. So for me, the guide was the start before. Now, mind you, the only one thing that I could say is the horse obviously was on really heavy ground and didn't really compound that badly over the last 200 metres given the circumstances and the conditions of the ground third up. The run before, that was the highlight reel for me. Good speed through the first section, just a length below benchmark. Increased its pace between the 8 and the 4 to go, plus 1.4. And then excellent last 400 metres, 
the four above and actually increasing the speed again over the last 200 metres. There's a little bit of a dip between the six and the four, but that's just the way that the track photography was and not because, you know, there was any deliberate slowdown. It's just the way the track races there. Horse with potential and... Again, it's another horse that's, you know, if you like it, you shouldn't sit there and say it's got no chance. It's a genuine competitor. All right, Mooney Valley Cup. I always like doing more cuts of horses I want to have in my quaddy. I've got it down to seven, Vince. Can you help me here? Wow. <laughs> seven. So, well, I, I, might, I might not have it down, but I thought, yeah, yeah, you always try to look at different scenarios here. I think there's seven horses that, that can win. The well, maybe Lim- you can help me. Yeah, Who are these exactly. seven? Because I, I, must, I must have the wrong glasses. Well, I, I always respect the Ma Eustace uh, stable, so Persad and Grand Promenade go in. Do you think well, Craig's going to roll forward on Sacramento? Desert Icon's in the race. And then, of course, uh, you got Luna Flair and, uh, and Francesco Gardi from that Flemington run. Right. Francesco Gardi's been heavily backed. The market early markets always love the unlucky runner. He nearly fell over at the eight hundred. That's the that's a good start considering he's just beaten there. You found uh, for our our listeners uh, Luna Flair on that day at Terrific Odds that won this race last year. And uh, what what sort of makes my eyebrow raise Vince is that in winning the Bart Cummings, it got straight into the Melbourne Cup, so it's already there. But uh, it's probably uh, it's probably too good a race to knock back. Yeah. Okay. Well. I guess what we should do the first thing is and help dispel some of those seven horses that you got, right? Which is, which is good, right? That's, yep. that's great because I, I, I understand where you're coming from. So the first line of fit is this. Let's look at Grand Promenade. It's justified what you talked about, about where the stable is, who, what they're all about and their capability of getting horses to perform when they need to. And this is going to be no exceptions. The first tackling point that we got is this. It had that one run back in June 2022, 20 lengths below benchmark. Obviously, very heavy tracks, big negative for the horse, right? We know that. It was just a winter cameo. Yeah. yeah. And then it's had 104 days break. It's had reasonable work going into with a couple of jump outs, which was just fair. But the performance first up was 8.9 below. Again, we're on pretty wet ground, Ralphie. And you could see there was a distinct blowout from the 400-metre mark, because that, that's the where I really pinned it in terms of where you lost your velocity and why did you lose that velocity, and it was condition. And the horse dropped off pretty much from the 800-metre point all the way down when we got in, inside the 400. horse lost about four lengths of velocity, and it was all tied to condition because the pickup speed at the end, whilst it was marginally better, it was still well below benchmark and not indicated this horse was going to be able to get anywhere near like a benchmark last 200 metres. Then I looked at the second up run at Caulfield over 2,400 metres where we've seen a significant improvement. But on overall IBR figures, no. It was only marginal. And the reason why it was marginal is because it's found itself in a race where it's gone another five lengths slower through the first section. It's damn tough to you know, break the clock in any significant way when you are going even slower from one run to the other. But the move was in the mid-race was undeniable. And this is this is the internal looks because margins can be deceptive, right? Yep. And you look at it, though. It's virtually a 10-length mid-race squeeze. It, the mid-race was still higher than the start before, but then there's the projection. Last 400. Look at that, Ralphie. Another 3.9 lengths of improvement. Ran 1.2 above benchmark, giving the first real signal. Whilst there was only eight lengths below benchmark, signal was there. So now the question is this. 
can the horse return to the profile of October 2021 when it produced a 1.4 above IVR benchmark when winning over 2,500 at Flemington? That was the Mark Cummings at Luna Flair one. Now, when I peel all that back, it's the only time the horse ever did it. And all the data indicates saying you're not going to do that today. Right, you're gonna. It's too big a ask to say I'm going to improve ten lengths. Well, that the horse actually has to improve a genuine ten lengths, right? I, I do see the horse having big improvement, maybe six or seven, and I do see that this horse could run somewhere like what I'm targeting, like Mooney Valley, around the one minus one range to three range. That's what I'm seeing, Ralphie. Of course, then you have to say, how much am I going to allow for the trainer? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that's that horse. Who's the other one that you said that you were well, keeping let's respect bring it down. Well, Sacramento on the quick backup. If it's out in front and kept running, I'd be sick if I didn't have it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I'm talking about for the quaddy. I'm not talking about as a, as a win bet. I'm just saying, do I want to go out of the quaddy with a gay Wardhouse Craig Williams horse up front? No, I don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Of course you don't. I, I wouldn't either. So. Well, you already know what they're going to do, don't you? It's That's not right. Going to be hard, not going to be hard to work out. It's just who who's going to be the bigger the bigger play here. Is it going to be Serpentine one in the front? Or is it going to be Sacramento, right? Exactly. So that's going to be really interesting. Who really owns the front, right? So this horse here, if they go hard, which is the expectation I see, it ain't going to be uh, easy for those horses, unfortunately, because they're, they're, they're genuine – Benchmark type runners at this distance range at best. Yep. 2,000 metres, very different story. They could run hard. They've got strong capability. And we're talking about Sacramento to run above benchmark. And it's done it many times where it's gone plus two. But up to this distance range, now the horse's profile can't break benchmark. Why will it do it to? Why would it do it tomorrow? There's nothing. <laughs> I cannot find a reason why it will happen tomorrow. All right. Well, we'll keep going down the board. Desert Icon. Uh, I've got to have it. It, uh, it bolted in over 2040. Thought it was a bit plain last start, 2400, but maybe it just needed that uh, staying test. What's your thoughts? Hard to fault the run. Yep. 12.3 lengths below benchmark was probably the. On one hand, was great. Don't have to do much work. Horse was very fit. The move in the mid-race was well within inside this horse's wheelhouse, around 10 lengths. Strong overall last 400, plus 1.5. Horse got beaten one and a half. Good performance. Now, we just come down to the – again, I always come – I'm a simple guy, Ralphie, right, and that's why I work with numbers, right, because I, I don't want to trick myself because it's easy to do because I, I you come back in case for everything, but then I go, well, show me when you've broken benchmark. Yeah. What's the race shape like? Now, it hasn't had many opportunities at 2,400 plus. So, got to give some respect. And we've got to respect the trainer. They've got the right person on board in terms of, you know, capability. But how much more can you elevate than that Caulfield runner last campaign of minus 2.5? Let's let's be real. How much are you going to elevate? And if the rain comes, you won't be. But let's just say, how much more can you go? All right. Let's say you run to your Mooney Valley profile of this campaign, minus one and a half. Minus a half. All right, your benchmark. Well, that, that could get you in the race, but the possibility of that happening, well, yeah, I guess all things are possible if this is a race that's won by a minus three horse, yeah. But other than that, I, I can't have it, right? Before we get to the two you got on top, because it's sort of we can tie in some form lines here, and Persan ran second in that Herbert Power. Again, nothing on – sorry, ran fourth. 
there's nothing on the clock that day to, to justify it being the short favourite that it is here, mid fours. But it's, well, it's this stable. <laughs> well, it's definitely the stable. Right. And the rider. <laughs> yeah, and the rider. Of course, no question. But hold on. Now, this is the one difference. But we've just talked about those other two horses, right? Yep. There is a difference with this one, right? Yep. This one now, when we look at that profile of depth, it, it's got a franked above benchmark profile on more than one occasion. So that we've got to respect that, right? Yes. It's got a it's got a 0.7 above going back to October 2020. So let's say the stable's got that horse in that form. And and the market's giving you the signal that that's what the, that's what's happening, right? A worst case scenario, let's say that they've got it to the to the form of August 2020, Caulfield, 2,400 metres, 0.1 above. So this is how I use historical data. I, I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't go that far back. You know, I, 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 I talked to many people. I said, but this is got to look at, it's got to be like an encyclopedia. References, right? To get an insight because we don't have the luxury. I don't have, I don't speak to these stables. And not that I want to either, by the way. Because it'll, <laughs> yeah. be, it'll be a disaster for me, right? <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to just be humble allow the numbers to do all the talking and just be that guy that just looks at things through numbers. And, and that's how I use the history. And yes, 0.7 above, we need 0.2 or better to be in the race, right? So right now, we're, I've got Persian picked at around 0.6 below benchmark, but the possibility of that horse staying there might be low because tomorrow it could be 0.1 or 0.7 because that's where it's trending towards, right? Yep. So I, I, that's not one horse that I would eliminate myself. And before we get to the two favourites, the Amazonian, bit of different form here. Jamie Carr on. It, uh, it showed a little bit of talent as a, as a filly there, bolted in its only distance run. Uh, where's it trending? Well, we talk about a lot of stables and up-and-comings. You know, <laughs> Mr. Kent Jr., I, I, I love this man, the way he does things, and he's young and, you know, and then you've got the golden senior head of Mr. K- uh, Mr. Price, right? It's and the old boy, the young bull. Yeah, you know, that means you're just passing down wisdom, knowledge, and, and you know Price is no bullshit man, man. You know, it is what it is. Yep. He's not frightened. A lot of a lot of trainers get scared when you know they you know, maybe, you know, communicated adversely about their horses. This man doesn't. He takes it on board and then tries to also tie in the facts. But what's been more important is you bring the young person in big injection, comes from another well-schooled uh, father in terms of understanding horses. And you've got to look at it. Morphville last campaign, third run, went 16, 2,500. Wins easily, right? Does a 0.4 below benchmark performance. But here's the importance. Mind you, that's not easy to do, Ralphie, third up, right? Yep. With that structure. But look at the run. It was 3.9 lengths above benchmarks. You had to show speed. No one likes it when you're going to have to anchor drop almost nine lengths in the mid-race, and then you pick up and go plus 1.9 above benchmark. Dangerous horse. Not a problem in the world in terms of distance. So now we look at this campaign. Well, look what happened from Caulfield to Cranbourne. Went from minus 20 to plus 0.3 above that's a massive turnaround in speed, but it's also an indicator about how fit they had the horse and what this natural capability could be like. I love the fact, and this was a, a big concern to me. If I didn't see a big blowout over the last 400 metres, I would have been worried. But drop five lengths, last 400, I go, fantastic. Big big condition tick. 
big one. So there's double figure odds. And, yeah, sorry. Can it handle the ground? If it's heavy, let, uh, forget it. Even if it's slow, it's got a it's got a rock solid WTI in the nines. So if this rain is there, uh, this 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 won't be missing the place. <laughs> that's a it's a lovely push there for a double figure odds horse. And let's finish off with the two favourites. So uh, Luna Flair just beat Francisco Gardi as a touch on the market. The early markets love an unlucky runner. Uh, what type of substance has he got uh, at twenty five hundred? Um, oh, sorry, twenty six hundred versus the Mooney Valley Cup winner of last year that you found in that bar coming at terrific odds. Well, first things first. The, the Waller team got this horse airborne, no question. Absolutely airborne. There were some good signs very early in the campaign. This horse might have been going somewhere, but it's really started to put it all down. And the 0.5 above benchmark last night, whilst it wasn't its best ever performance for the prep, because I have the run from Ramwick Ralphie back in June, over 1,800, slightly better. And probably the real insight for me when it went 0.9 above best of the day. But you can't deny that. The speed, the closing speed here, seven lengths above benchmark last 400. Okay, admittedly, it was soft to tempo, but I lined it up against that Randwick run. It was two lengths softer than that, but yet the horse went five and a half lengths faster over the last 400 metres. So the closing speed uh, can't be denied. Can that help you at the valley? Because it's, it's a different structure. Oh, you still got 170 metres, right? You're going to still get a great acceleration because one of the big attributes about staying horses is you've got to be able to show a big sprint. Oh, jeez. Is this going to a Melbourne Cup? I'm pretty sure this is a qualifying race, yeah. Yeah, well, they'd be rubbing their hands a little bit because they. this is showing all the ingredients, right? And... Oh, this is the other horse for me that I definitely feel has to be highly respected. It's another runner that can handle the wet ground, Ralphie. So if we're slow, I mean, it's got a franked WTI that sits rock solid plus seven. So you don't have to worry about it. It's, it's got a level of battling that it can handle, right? So I, I'm not faulting this horse, and I would say to you, don't leave it out of your multi. <laughs> don't leave it out of your quaddy because it's a, it's a red-hot life top three. And the other one, obviously, Luna Flair that won last year. And, and, you know, are you expecting it to hold its form from, from Fleming, I guess, is the question. Well, you did say, you know, I have to respect what you say, Ralphie, about this horse has already, already qualified for the Cup. Yep. The horse will still be the horse in my view. And I don't, needless to say, about Mr. Begg in terms of a trainer and what he's capable of. I loved what the horse did from one run to the other. It was fantastic. I, I, I actually preempted that was going to happen. Yep. So I was very happy myself. But the 1.1 above and the soft – when I say the softness of the win, I know the margin only says 0.4, but <laughs> I look at that last 400. Man, it's gone plus 5, 5.5. It was just a complete increase in speed. I must admit, though, that the rider and the way the race was run, energy efficiency was perfection. And what I mean by that is you look at the flow of momentum, 1.8 below benchmark, 8 to 6, plus 1.96 to 4, plus 2 between the 4 and the 2, and then plus 3.5. How can you distribute the energy any better than that? But it also tells you this horse is flying because you still got to have ability to do that, right? Yeah. Keep ratcheting up. So I have, firstly, I have no doubt this horse is going better than last campaign when it peaked with a 1.2. Now. 
are they going to have the same ferocity and the same vigor now that you're saying it's in the Melbourne Cup? Well, I'm not sure, but it's got to be the other yardstick. There's no way if, that it's hard for this horse just not to be competitive and not be a top three finish. Just I can't see it. How can it not be? That's it. All right, we'll talk business tomorrow if we if we want to narrow it down further. Last race uh, for the mares, uh, you've got a Greeble as most advantage. Uh, um, it obviously comes off a South Australian win. In Blinker's first time, it's had a tr- stable transfer to Will Clark. And Vince, I know stats are static, but this guy, when he targets Moody Valley, has got an unbelievable record. I've just had a look at these horses in the market. They just don't miss the top four. And Ro- Roots uh, brings the different form down from Sydney. We put her in the Sizzlers uh, first up at Warwick Farm when uh, it was below benchmark, but a booming last 600 and uh, best last 400 of the day. Yeah, well, he's a real horseman, isn't he, Will Clarkham? And he's a serious operator and he's very hungry to win. When I look at his profile and I study him a fair bit, like like most people do, but he, he's, a, he's a hungry beast, right, in terms of uh, wanting – he wants to win everything too, like yep. everybody else, but he's capable. Like, <laughs> he's actually capable. He's not like a guy that I'm going to say I'm going to do all these things but never actually get remotely close to it. This this. This man knows what he's doing, and he's. I, I feel that it's a marvellous move that he's come and targeted this race because this is a golden race for him and definitely winnable. The challenge for me is, from a five-year-old mare perspective, is how much more can you find? Okay, you've gone to a new top. It's only marginal, 0.2. You've shown some phenomenal closing speed, like what it did at Balaclava to me was outstanding, like going plus 8.4 last 400. Um, you can handle the wet ground. And you, oh, look, you've got to run half length above benchmark, so how can you not be in the race? And how does that line up with Roots? Okay, Roots is the other horse that you have to give a ton of respect to in terms of where it sits and how we need to evaluate its chances. The last two starts, they've been below benchmark, Ralphie. But I have a look. Look at the last win at Canterbury. I never like it when they got to go three. Okay, 3.3 below benchmark's fine. But slowing in the mid-race, I hate that, right? Because it blemishes their possibilities of what you can finish with, right? So it's gone two and a half lengths slower in the mid-race, almost six lengths below benchmark. And then what it's done is done a big kick down. And even though it's only 1.8 above benchmark last 400, but the kick down exertion is, uh, what is it, about six and seven, over seven lengths, right? Top six for the day, 4.5 below. That run, that figure could have easily been around a minus two, which was in line with the first up win at Warwick Farm, where it had a beautiful blend all the way through and solid. We had a taper at the end of about a length, and I just said, okay, you're still building. Uh, yes, Mr. Wally, but this is a horse that I reckon you've uh, got a little bit more for than some of your others, and this this is the this is it. It's I, I see a peaking run. So I go back and have a look at its history. There it is, Ralphie. Ramwick, November last year, it was a 0.1 above, uh, below benchmark, seventh best of the day. A tough day to run time because the raw figures only came up around 1.4, but it showed lots of capability. And I reckon this horse is going to trend better than that and it's ready to break benchmark. And we don't need to run better than benchmark to be in the money. No doubt. All right, that's a big deep dive into both the Manicato, the Quaddy Legs at Mooney Valley. Tomorrow we'll talk business when we update uh, and hopefully have some clarity on the ground conditions. Thanks so much for getting our preview podcast of Year Round Carnival.